What a privilege we had last week eh, of having uh, Terry here to encourage us and inspire us as he spoke on grace. And um, if you haven't heard Terry's preach, it'll be up on YouTube as well so you can hear it. But do take advantage of that because it was really a great message that we all need to hear um, because we all from time to time slip back into legalism and uh, trying to do things and control things for ourselves. But how do you follow a preach like that? <laughs> well, we've decided to do a series on grace. <laughs> We'd already decided that because we knew what Terry was likely to talk about, so we decided to follow it up with a series on grace. So let's look at one of the great chapters uh, on uh, grace. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. and We're going to be reading from verses 1 to 10. So if you've got Bibles or it on your phone or wherever you've got it, tablet, whatever. Um, okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very natures were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's how John Newton described it in his hymn. A rough, tough sailor who, having tried to escape from the Royal Navy on one occasion because he'd been press-ganged into it, um, got caught and received a flogging of eight dozen lashes. That's 96 lashes he took for trying to escape. His life experiences hardened him. He was enslaved in Sierra Leone for some time until he was rescued. And eventually he became the captain of several slave ships. And in the midst of a storm off the Irish coast one time, he called on God to have mercy on him and to save him from the storm. And the storm started to subside. And because of this experience, he started to read his Bible and through that came to faith in Jesus. Eventually he was ordained as an Anglican minister and denounced the slave trade and actually became very active in its abolition. 
His encounter with God is summed up in this first line of one of the most famous hymns. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. What I want you to take home today is the enormity of God's grace. Grace is so big that it can forgive the vilest of sinners. We read it's only by God's grace we are saved. And it rolls off our tongues or it runs through our minds as we read it. Uh, and we run into the next part of the, the uh, chapter, which is all about us being raised up, being seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll focus on that because it's all about us. And we like to talk about ourselves, don't we? We like the things that relate to us. But the principal focus of these verses is God's mercy and grace. And you can't separate the two. Mercy and grace go together. And it's about God's extravagant grace. Mercy is not being given what we do deserve. Grace is being given what we don't deserve. Because of his mercy, he's shown us grace. All of us were sinners until we encountered the mercy and grace and love of God, demonstrated through what Jesus did, and we came in repentance and received his forgiveness. We read earlier, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We were no different. It wasn't just that we were sinners because we did bad things. We had a natural inclination to sin because it was our nature. You don't have to be around young children long to see the sin nature at work. I remember on one occasion we were visiting our son and daughter-in-law and our granddaughter was quite small, not long after she'd started to learn to walk. And um, we were in the lounge and she started to go out of the, the door of the lounge into the hall and her dad didn't want her to. So he said to her, now don't go out. And I can remember she turned and looked at him and the look she gave him was much to say, can I get away with this? You know, there was a defiance and a, and a readiness to be disobedient. And uh, so he said quite strongly to her, come here. And she realized dad meant it and she was not going to leave the room without consequences. So she came back. But for those few moments, the sin nature in her raised its ugly head with the desire to defy her dad. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from a holy God. The sin nature is working death in us. The Greek word for death uh, used here is thanatos. And uh, one of the meanings is the misery of the soul arising from sin, which begins on earth, earth but lasts and increases after death of the body in hell. I'll read that again. This is what it says. The misery of the soul arising from sin, which begins on earth but lasts and increases after the death of the body, in hell, the wages of sin is death. That ever-increasing death of our bodies and our selves. We had no hope, Ephesians 2.12 says, about our condition prior to coming to Jesus. Having no hope and without God in the world. What a 
awful place to be. No hope and without God. It was all looking pretty grim for every one of us. But we need to see the awfulness of sin, how totally abhorrent and repulsive it is to God in order to comprehend the immensity of God's mercy and grace and love towards us. But, 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 it says, this little word carries so much weight, but God who is rich in mercy. You get that? God who is rich in mercy. God isn't frugal with his mercy. He's rich. He's lavish. He's extravagant with his mercy. So much so that he's willing to take on human form and yet without sin. Facing the temptations of sin every day in his life, yet never succumbing to it. Proving himself to be the perfect man who death had no hold over. Yet Jesus willingly, obediently, given himself to be brutally tortured and crucified. And in the process, taking our sin in his body and nailing it to the cross. God's mercy is so great that in Jesus he takes the punishment for our sin. For all the filth and squalor, violence, deceit and depravity that mankind can conjure up, he becomes sin for us and dies on, on behalf of all mankind, that we might receive the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are saved by grace. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. It was poured out on Jesus instead. We are saved by grace through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Coming to God in repentance, seeking his forgiveness for our sins, recognizing that Jesus died in my place and took my punishment for my sin is the faith step through which God's grace towards us is activated. And we are changed. Sin no, is no longer working death in us. Holy Spirit is ministering life. We're no longer alienated from God, but he has become our father and we are his children. In Ephesians 2.8, we read, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Here we see quite clearly that salvation is gifted to us graciously by God. This free pardon from the guilt, shame, and consequences of sin is freely given as a gift we receive by faith. By choosing to put our trust and confidence in the finished work of Jesus. We can't boast that we deserve it. We can't brag that we've earned it. And we certainly cannot manufacture our own salvation. Which is why self-help groups have limited effects. Alcoholics Anonymous members often introduce themselves as, I am an alcoholic. But the mercy that reaches down to us and the grace that saves doesn't modify us. It doesn't rework us into a better version of our old selves. It transforms us. 
It makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. It doesn't modify our behavior. It has the power to transform and change our whole being and character. When we understand the awesome greatness and lavish extravagance of God's mercy and grace towards us, and the precious and costly salvation that he's bought for us through Christ, what can we do but live our lives in a way that honors and worships our Heavenly Father? Salvation by grace is a gift received by faith. In 1829, two men, George Wilson and James Porter, robbed a United States mail carrier. Both were subsequently uh, captured and arrested and tried in a court of law. And in May 1830, both of them were found guilty of six charges, including robbery of the mail and putting the life of the driver in jeopardy. Both Wilson and Porter received their sentences. Execution by hanging to be carried out on July the 2nd. Porter was executed on schedule, but Wilson was not. Influential friends pleaded for mercy to the President of the United States, Andrew Jackson, on his behalf. President Jackson issued a formal pardon, dropping all charges. Wilson would only have to serve a prison term of 20 years for some other crimes. And incredibly, George Wilson refused the pardon. An official report stated Wilson chose to waver and decline any advantage or protection which he might be supposed to arrive from the pardon. Wilson also stated he had nothing to say and did not wish in any manner to avail himself in order to avoid sentence. This had never happened before in the States, and it threw the judicial system into a bit of a quandary. They didn't know what to do. And so the case went to the top. It went to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the U.S. Supreme Court determined, the court cannot give the prisoner the benefit of a pardon unless he claims the benefit of it. In other words, they can give it, but it doesn't come into effect unless he takes it. It is a grant to him. It is his property, and he may accept it or not as he pleases. Chief Justice John Marshall wrote, A pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws. But delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tended, and we have no power in a court to force it on him. God's grace is offered us as a free gift. It's there for everyone to take, but we have to, by faith, receive it. And just like the United States court, God is not going to force it on anybody. But it's there for the taking. As I said, God never forces his offer of grace upon anyone. It must be received by faith. And if you've done that, if by faith you have received that grace of salvation, then just allow 
the lavish love of God to envelop you. Let the Holy Spirit show you again how awesome the, the majestic grandeur of God's grace and mercy towards us as we sing this last song. And to others of you, God graciously holds out the gift of salvation to you this morning. Will you take it? If you'd like to and like to know more about it, then I'm going to be at the front at the end and I would love to talk to anybody who wants to take by faith that gift of salvation God graciously gives us. But just let's allow Holy Spirit to impress upon us again the awesome greatness of his grace towards us as we sing this last song. Thank you.